we are on the brink of a mental health crisis. And this is why I am so appreciative of the folks over at BetterHelp. They provide the largest online counseling platform worldwide. They change the way people get help with facing life's challenges by providing convenient, discreet, and affordable access to licensed therapists. BetterHelp makes professional counseling available anytime, anywhere, through a computer, tablet, or smartphone. Sign up today. Go to BetterHelp.com and use the promo code SOLVINGHEALTHCARE and get 10% off sign-up fees. COVID has affected us all, and with all the negativity surrounding it, it's often hard to find the positive. One of the blessings it has given us is the opportunity to build an avenue for creating change, starting right here in our community. Discussing topics that affect us most, such as racism in healthcare, maintaining a positive mindset, creating change, the importance of advocacy, and the many lessons we have all learned from COVID. If you or your organization are interested in speaking engagements, send a message to Quad podcast 99 at gmail.com reach out on facebook at quadcast or online at drquadjo.ca welcome to solving healthcare i'm quadjo caramante I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network we are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients, and their families because inefficiencies, overwork, and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified, and just for everyone involved. Corecast Nation, welcome back. We have a tremendous episode with MJ Folger. She is a pelvic floor specialist in physiotherapy and sees a lot of perimenopausal women and was really knowledgeable in terms of the issues that she sees firsthand and why many people might might benefit from a pelvic floor physio, for example, if they're having incontinence or pain or with uh, with sexual health like this is such an uh, important aspect of things and and she dives into how holistic the approach has to be how the physio can actually make some significant strides how lifestyle changes can impact things honestly i learned so much in this episode and so we'll we'll jump on it right away here but first i want to give a quick plug to our latest newsletter on, on Substack, quadcast.substack.com, where you can stay up to date with all our releases, our vlogs, our blogs, our guest appearances, courses, all are on one site, and it's on point, yo. So check out quadcast.substack.com and jump on the train. So without further ado, MJ Forger. Quadcast Nation, welcome back. We have the one and only... MJ Forget. Can I go Forget? Forget, yes. Forget. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. We, we've been talking uh, more about women's health, specifically perimenopausal and menopausal women. And one of the areas that I must say was a bit foreign to me, and I didn't realize it was such a big issue, was, was pelvic, pelvic health. So maybe, MJ, we could start like, how do you, like, you've been at this a while. Like when we started, we, you said over 20, maybe 25 years. 25 years. Yeah. yeah. So what what lured you to pelvic health and like how big of an issue 
has this uh, is is the pelvic health of 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 people. You know, when we graduate from from university, you know, and and and, and the medical fields, you know, we get to find areas of interest when we graduate, and and that's kind of all that we do. And you know, physio. Some of them want to do orthopedics and work with sports teams. When I graduated, I uh, went to the hospital system, which is a lot of what physios do. And I worked in ICU and yes. I worked on the floors. I did uh, orthopedics, you know, post knee, post hips. And, and it really wasn't where my passion lied um, by any means, but it was a really great introduction to all things physios working in a hospital setting. So when I thought about, okay, well, where do I, where do I want to go and what do I want to do? I always had an interest at the time, what we call more women's health. Now we call it pelvic health because again, all genders have pelvic health issues. And I had classmates who did their thesis on incontinence. And I remember thinking at the time, oh my gosh, that's something that we can do. And it really wasn't anything we were taught in university. Nobody really talked about, again, pelvic health, women's health, women's health issues, menopause, um, that was never covered in our degree. And so I took my first course in Alberta back in 1997, and I never looked back. And I had no idea how much pelvic health issues was um, a problem. And remember, you know, 25 years ago, nobody talked about any of that. Nobody talked about bladder control issues or bowel control issues. Certainly nobody talked about menopause and nobody talked about sexual health, which is a lot of what we do in pelvic health. And so I started my career, like I said, I was in my early 20s, and uh, and that's all I've been doing now for 25 years. This is where I'm at. Wow. And and mm-hmm. you alluded to, you didn't realize how big of a problem it was. Like, how big of a problem truly is it? If we talk just about incontinence in Canada, if we just talk about general stats in Canada, 3.3 million Canadians have bladder issues in Canada. And when we think about gender differences, one in four women, one in one in nine men. So it's significant. And it actually gets a little worse as we age. And that's an issue with menopause. So if we think about um, the female population, there's about a 20 to 30 percent incidence of incontinence in our young adulthood. So think of like your 20s and 30s. And then that spikes up to almost 40% by the time we get into middle age, which is kind of the perimenopausal menopausal age. And then it goes up as high as 50% in our elderly, which is a really big concern. And one of the main reasons that um, our clients get admitted into nursing homes is because of bladder issues and fecal incontinence, right? Loss of bladder and bowel control is usually kind of an event where families then have a hard time maybe coping with taking care of their of their loved ones. And that will increase admissions to uh, nursing homes. So we're not talking about, you know, um, small numbers. It's a significant number. And we have an aging population in Canada. And we have a lot of people going through perimenopause and menopause. And one of the biggest risk factors of incontinence is actually menopause. Mm. Yeah. And, and we have a lot of people right now who are entering kind of that phase, you know, and uh, I think in Canada, the stats is like, there's 10 million of us in this age group Mm. in perimenopause heading into menopause in Canada. That's a big number. It's massive. And I I think this is what's motivated us to cover some of this content because, you know, these are years of, of productivity of, of high needs, like moms that are in that perimenopausal age where you're, you're active with your family, your career paths, like a lot of people are, are, this is where they're starting to peak in their careers. 
a lot of demands just to be a, to, to be on the workforce. Like when I think of healthcare workers, so anything we could do to make them more functional and 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 thrive, I think we need to really look at. And so, because I don't know if I realized that like this is kind of like the peak or the, one of the main concerns during the perimenopausal menopausal uh, timeline. So what like what? It's a totally ignorant question, but like, what can you do? What do you do to help? Okay. There, there's so much. We can talk about this for hours, but we'll try to kind of keep it, <laughs> keep our timeline because I can get started. So, I mean, if we're just going to focus on, you know, we'll talk kind of the impact of perimenopause and menopause, because like you said, it's such a difficult time, uh, you know, people going through perimenopause and menopause, like you said, are working. They are often parents um, with children that, you know, still require a lot of our attention. Plus, sometimes we're taking care of our parents as well. We're kind of like in that middle group where we're busy with our careers. We may or may not have children, but we also may have parents that we help. And it's a really stressful time. And quality of life really starts to take an impact. So typically when people come to see a pelvic health physiotherapist, so a physiotherapist who's done postgraduate studies in pelvic health, um, what we do is we are often seeing people that come for problems of bladder control and bowel control. So that would say that's kind of when I started, that was the most of what I've seen. But we also help our patients um, with sexual function. And the ability to have pain-free sexual intercourse, which is a big issue, again, in perimenopause, and it can actually worsen in menopause as well. We help with conditions called pelvic pain. And pelvic pain can be anything like, you know, our patient's telling me I have vaginal pain or rectal pain. And when I treat um, my population of men, it could be prostate-related type of pain. So pain in the pelvis. And a lot of pain in the pelvis affects sexual function and also has an impact on your bladder and bowel function. So it's all related together. But when you come and see a pelvic health physio, what's really important to know is we take what they call a biopsychosocial approach to care. So that means when you come and see us, we're looking at you as a whole person. And what's really great about our uh, profession is we have the luxury of time because when you come and see us, we have an hour on assessment with you. And follow-up treatments can be half an hour, 45 minutes, or even an hour. So we have the luxury of time and we have the luxury of talking. And so the main thing that we always, always want to do is let people tell us their story. You know, why are you here? What's bothering you? And how much is this bothering you? Because again, when it comes to menopause or bladder issues or sexual function, these are not subjects that people want to talk about easily, right? There's a lot of taboo, a lot of embarrassment. A lot of my clients think they're the only ones who can't have intercourse anymore than the only ones who are losing bladder control and can't, you know, run a marathon. Everybody thinks they're the only ones, but they're in fact not. The stats are actually quite high in terms of, uh, of impact of bladder health and sexual health on our patients. So we talk and then we address all things incontinence, bladder, bowel, sexual function, and also things like constipation and pain in the pelvic area. So we do all of that. Um, so it, it's quite a bit and it, it spans quite a lot of topics. But we also talk about lifestyle because lifestyle is important. So on, on, on maybe my first visit or second visit, I'm going to talk to you about are you sleeping well? Are you managing your stress well? Um, how's your, are you having any issues with your mental health, depression, stress, anxiety that you're not managing? Well, how are you feeling hormonally? 
Because part of what we do and, and what I've noticed during COVID a lot as well is we've kind of become a little bit of the, um, not the gatekeepers. I want to say we, we really had to help our patients navigate the healthcare system in a time that it was really difficult to navigate the healthcare system. And so I, I always tell my, my clients, I'm here to help build your team around you. Who do you need to help you navigate perimenopause and menopause so you can live your best life? Because as physios, we have to stay in our scope of practice. We can't do everything. So if I talk about nutrition, I can talk about why nutrition is important, but I'm not allowed to give you advice on nutrition because it's not in my scope, but I'll send you to the people who do that. And the biggest challenge in menopause is that for a long time, there was nobody to send people to, mm. right? If you think about, you know, how many menopause clinics do you know that exist out there, right? There's one at Mount Sinai, you know, there's just not a lot of menopause clinics that are run by a gynecologist and maybe have a nutritionist and a psychologist all working together. And maybe with a pelvic health physio, that'd be great. That could look at that whole biopsychosocial approach to care to really help our patients navigate menopause. Yeah. Um, and I think that's now starting to change. I think now you know, the tagline right now is menopause is having a moment. Well, menopause is having a moment. Um, I think partly because there's a lot more of us in our field talking about it on social media. There's definitely some gynecologists now that are much more vocal on social media, talking about hormones, talking about safety of hormones. Because when I started 25 years ago, hormones were a no-go. Like there was so much fear around all things hormonal replacement therapy. And it was really difficult because as a physio, I could see how devastating some of the symptoms of menopause were. And there wasn't really a lot of uh, options for my patients at the time as to what to do about it, because everybody has such a fear of hormone, mm -hmm. whether it's topical hormones or hormonal replacement therapy. And I think that the, that's shifting as well. So we talk about all of these things with our clients when they come in. And then we help navigate and say, okay, if you're struggling with nutrition, who could we send you to? If you're really struggling with your hormones, who are the hormone, menopause hormonal experts out there to send you to? If your mental health is an issue, who do we send you to for that so that you can kind of work on your anxiety and your depression and your stress? And there's been a lot of stress, you know, in the last few years. Um, and then as physios, we take care of more of the kind of the physical kind of component of incontinence, pelvic pain, bowel health, constipation, and sexual health. You know, you know what I'm really appreciating you're saying, MJ, is how holistic the approach is. You know, like it really, you know, it's not just the physical aspect and the rehabilitation. You need to know what the, you know, how it's affecting your life, the lifestyle, how you're doing from a lifestyle perspective, stress level, sleep, how you're, how well you're eating, you know how, how you know uh and and just think approaching it that way and that's what i'm finding really encouraging about this is that you know you're just not siloing the approach like it really comes down to how the person's doing as a whole and and i mean in, in my opinion when it comes to so many issues in medicine this is the only way like you need to really address so many of the, the needs outside the actual just the, the physical concern and um and yeah I, I just it's another thought just came to mind too is just hearing all the the 
symptoms that so many perimenopausal and menopausal women have to go through. It, it just, it really is sad that so many people have had to go through without it, go through all this without attention. Like when you put it together, like the, the, the hot flashes, the, you know, the mental health concerns, the, the weight issues, the, the insomnia, the, the insomnia. anxiety. Oh, and, it's, oh, yeah. And then you add oh. the pelvic pain, uh, the incontinence on top of that, like, wow, you know, it's like significant. It's, just, it's, it's significant, yeah. you know, and, and, and it's often, it can be a very overwhelming, you know, time in our clients, uh, life, you know, because mm. again, they're so busy, they're under a lot of stress. They have a lot of obligations and, uh, then they're dealing with, you know, I can't have intercourse with my partner. It hurts too much. I am leaking urine. I can't exercise. So now I'm gaining more weight. Mm. I I'm going through perimenopause. I got insomnia. I can't sleep. And that has huge repercussions on the human body. And it's important that we all talk about those things. And it's important that we recognize the lane that we're in as, as health professionals and find the right people for our clients so that they get, that they get better. And, and, and I think, you know, again, the tides I think are changing that we're taking a little bit more of this kind of like set of biopsychosocial approach, looking at the whole person and also giving permission to our clients to talk to us about these things, that it's okay to talk to me about your bladder issues and your sexual health concerns and, and your stressors in your life and how maybe you're having a really hard time balancing work-life balance um, and, and seeing how we can help with that. And we can all help with that uh, in our own way. Absolutely. And so maybe give us a sense, MJ, you know, we, you know, we get a sense when someone walks in the office about some of the stuff you're assessing, but what do you do like as a physio, to help patients like with that's within the, your scope like uh, is yeah. it the exercises is it like mm-hmm. what, help help me understand like the potential um the things that you do to to, to help to address help. these things so once we've listened to everybody's story and they tell us what their main concerns are and what their goals are in terms of what would they like to achieve with our time together, then we do a lot of education. And education can be, like I said, lifestyle, sleep, you know, how are they functioning with nutrition? Um, are they exercising? Are they happy? Are they stressed? Then we really go into the function of the pelvic floor. So if we talk about the main concerns most of our clients are coming in with, often it will be bladder issues, bowel issues, it'll be sexual health issues, and maybe constipation issues, like some bowel issues that all tends to act up in perimenopause. So that's when we take out our props. And I have lots of props to explain to people about the pelvis, because again, we are not taught anything about the pelvis as human beings. Um, And if we think about our education in our primary schools and our high schools about pelvic pelvic health, there's none of that. So we often don't really know about the pelvis, right? And where the pelvic, what's happening to our pelvis. So if we look at this wonderful pelvis, who's been with me for 25 years, so it's falling apart. The people listening, you might have to be extra descriptive. Extra descriptive. Okay. So when we look at the pelvis, if I take the muscles out of the way, this is the front of your pelvis. So that's your pubic bone. Mm-hmm. If I turn the pelvis around, that's your kind of your spinal column and your tailbone would be right here. And if we look at the bottom, well, the bottom is actually all muscular. It's just muscles down there and you have layers of muscles and we call it because we're not very clever. We're calling it the pelvic floor muscles. And so there's a lot of fancy terms in anatomy. So we won't go through that, but for the sake of purpose, the, the pelvic floor. 
and there's layers. So the first layer, which is the most superficial, so meaning that you can touch it from the outside. These muscles here go from your pubic bone to your tailbone here at the bottom. They wrap around, I'm gonna take that out. They wrap around your clitoris and your vaginal opening. And then they also wrap around the anal opening. So all of these muscles here, the main function of these little muscles at the vaginal opening are for sexual function, which is why sometimes we can have difficulties with maybe having an orgasm, uh, libido, desire, orgasms, and maybe we have pain with intercourse. And so these muscles, which are under our voluntary control, so we can learn to use them, mm-hmm. they have to contract, but they have to relax. And when things go in the vagina, all of these muscles have to have the capacity to stretch and to expand, and that should never cause us pain. So that's this first little group. And so we'll, we'll maybe dive into kind of sexual function a little later, but that's this first little group. Mm-hmm. But then deeper inside your pelvis, you have another group of muscle that are deeper inside your body. And these muscles, they're quite big, quite large. They wrap around your vaginal opening and your anal opening all the way from your tailbone at the back to your pubic bone at the front. Those are your bladder and bowel control muscles. Okay. So if I take that muscle out, just to show you how big it is, a big muscle Mm. front to back. Okay. And so when you laugh, when you cough, when you sneeze, when you lift things that are heavy, these muscles tighten around your urethra or tighten around your anal opening so that you don't lose bladder control. You should be able to hold on to those muscles to get to the bathroom on time. And then when you sit to go to the bathroom, they relax, they stretch, they expand to allow us to go to the bathroom. So when people come to see us for bladder issues, bowel issues, or sexual health issues and sexual pain, what we're trying to determine is what's happening to that little group of muscles. What's happening to that pelvic floor? And I always tell my clients, there's two groups of you. There's a group that that comes to pelvic health physio where when we evaluate the function of their pelvic floor, they just lost a lot of strength and endurance. Okay, And we see that in perimenopause and menopause because, and this is why hormones are important, when you go through perimenopause, your hormones are starting to dip down. They're not gone yet, but your estrogens are dipping, your testosterone and your DHEA, which are your androgenic uh, hormones, are decreasing. We need estrogen for muscle strength and protein synthesis and collagen. And so when we have a loss of estrogen, we start to lose muscle strength. We start to have what we call sarcopenia, right? And that starts to increase as we age if we're not moving and exercising. So estrogen is really important for muscle function. Testosterone, which we have, we don't maybe have as much as our male counterparts, but we do have some and it is important because it helps with muscle strength and muscle tone. And that impacts the pelvic floor. So I may have someone who has never had babies, never, never could not have children or decided not to have children who come to see me in perimenopause and menopause and they'll say, why am I having incontinence? I never got pregnant. Well, that's because even if you have not had children, you're going to go through menopause. You're going to have those hormonal fluctuations. And so you can still have some symptoms of, of menopause. And one of them could be uh, incontinence. And the other thing with these pelvic floor muscles do, which is really great when they're working well and you're able to use them properly, they help decrease the sense of urgency and frequency, right? So some people say, I go to the bathroom all the time. I'm peeing every half an hour. I'm getting up three, four times a night to go to the bathroom. And when we help regain function of these pelvic floor muscles 
to reduce incontinence can also reduce urgency and frequency and the need to get up at night. Mm. So group number one may have a lot of weakness and loss of strength in their pelvic floor. And again, that happens in menopause with the loss of our, our, our hormones. And a lot of the symptoms tend to worsen about seven to 10 years after you're done having your menstrual cycles. Remember that you are menopausal if you've gone 12 months without your menstrual cycle. Usually symptoms of menopause will peak at kind of that seven to 10 years. So that's, and it's about, honestly, they're saying about 50 to 65% of the population may have actually some symptoms, you know, uh, at that seven years um, post-menopause. Second group of people that often come in is when we evaluate their pelvic floor, they have all the same symptoms. They'll have bladder issues or going to the bathroom a lot, but then they tell us they have pain. They have pain with sexual activity. Um, and then when we look at their pelvic floor, they actually have too much tension. Okay. And that's a problem because if you look at this little layer of your pelvic floor, these muscles that wrap around the vaginal opening and your clitoris. So these are your clitoral muscles. So really important to have orgasms. Uh, if you have too much tension in these muscles like this, when then things going in the vagina start to hurt. And again, that can start to be a problem in perimenopause and into menopause, again, because of hormonal changes. So what happens is, you're going through perimenopause menopause, or maybe you're in menopause, your estrogen levels have dipped down. Estrogen is like the fountain of youth. Estrogen plumps up our tissues. It increases blood flow to the area. It provides elasticity to all of our tissues. And that's your, you know, your labias and at the vaginal opening. So this area is really, really rich in what we call estrogen receptors. And of course, when we go through perimenopause and menopause, that's decreasing. And so things get a little thinner, things get a little drier, and things lose elasticity. And so what often can happen is uh, my clients will have intercourse and it hurts. And maybe they bleed a little bit because again, you know, when estrogen goes low, everything gets a little drier and more sensitive and even prone to maybe even some tearing. Well, then that pelvic floor is actually very clever. The, these muscles here they're there to protect us as well. So if you have pain, then the next time you think about engaging in sexual activity, your brain's going to say, you know what, that really hurt last time. And right away, we start to tense up our pelvic floor. And then we get caught in this vicious cycle where we have that episode of pain because of hormonal changes. Then it hurts. And then our pelvic floor tenses up. And then we, we keep trying to have intercourse, but then we keep irritating that area. And then the pelvic floor just increases in tension and increases in tension. And that can lead to more pain with sexual activity as well. So I always tell my clients, so we need to figure out which of the two groups do you belong to? Do you have a pelvic floor that just needs strengthening? Or do you have a pelvic floor that maybe requires a little bit more stretching and relaxation to help you regain proper sexual function, you know, having sexual function without pain. Mm. And in everything that we do, you know, we always take that step back and go, okay, well, you know, what are the stressors in your life that also increases muscle tension, right? So stress and anxiety and lack of sleep all increase our fight or flight response. And that's why sleeping is so important uh, to kind of really get your restorative health, you know, and to make sure that we're refreshed in the morning. Uh, managing our stress is really important because when you're under stress through the day and you're in that fight or flight responses, all your muscles tense up, including your pelvic floor, right? Mm -hmm. So then what we do is we do a physical exam. And this is kind of where 
you know, doing a really good explanation of the pelvic floor is really important. So I have these really great models that I've designed over the years. And what I do is I show all of the muscles. So you've got muscles at the vaginal opening. That could be the reason you have pain with sexual activity. And you've got deep muscles inside that are your bladder and bowel function muscles. So when we do a pelvic exam, we do not use speculums. We don't have you in stirrups. It's not like having a pap. We're going in manually with one finger and we start on the outside and we just have a look at all of these muscles to see, are they causing you any discomfort that could actually explain some of your pain with sexual activity? And if we're able to do that, then we can go in and we can look at all of these bands, all of these muscles that you see here, that's colored. These are all your pelvic floor muscles. And we can evaluate all these bands and muscles, right side and left side to determine are any of these muscles causing you any pain. Because pain with sexual activity could be pain at the opening. Or some people will tell me, you know, it's deep inside. It's, it's like, I can't, like, we have to stop. It hurts so much deep inside. And then we evaluate these muscles. I say, okay, if I said to you, try to contract, try to squeeze those muscles, especially with people that have incontinence, bladder or bowel, I'll say, try to contract your pelvic floor. And that's where we're assessing strength and endurance. Okay, how strong are your muscles? You know, how much endurance and power does your muscles generate? And if that's lacking, we're going to work on that. So that's kind of the physical exam. And the physical exam is as per our client's comfort level. So some people, on day one, we'll say, I'm not really comfortable with a pelvic exam. Maybe they need a visit or two to get comfortable with the idea. Um, you know, some people are not aware that that's what a pelvic health physio is trained to do. We are trained to do pelvic exams for the purpose of evaluating what's happening to all of these layers of pelvic floor muscles. So you can regain bladder control, bowel control, and sexual function. And also the other thing that this pelvic floor does, it's like a shelf. It holds up our organs. And so a lot of our clients will say, oh, I feel like, feel like something's falling out of my vagina, right? And so they get diagnosed with something called a prolapse, which is everything kind of softening up. And estrogen is really important for that because estrogen is what we need to have strong ligaments and strong tendons. And so a lot of times heading into perimenopause or menopause, somebody may have had a prolapse when they had their, you know, two, three children in their early twenties and did absolutely fine. But now they're starting to have symptoms because their estrogen levels are decreasing. And that's really altering kind of the function of what we call the collagen fibers in their tendons and in their ligaments. And we have a lot of ligaments that hold up our organs and everything just kind of softens. So I always say nothing's ever going to fall out of your body. It's never going to happen, but everything softens a little bit. And part of what we have to do is strengthen that pelvic floor if needed to kind of create that supportive system from the bottom. And it really is all about exercise. It's about exercise. Yeah, that, that was going to be my my next question. Maybe with that first option of thinking of someone that is having issues with incontinence, and assuming you're addressing the lifestyle issues and so on, but what's an example, MJ, of a, uh, exercises or type of exercises that they would be using to, to try and rectify the problem? So everybody's heard about those famous Kegels, right? Everybody's heard about Kegels. What we right Ke you're doing them right now. And yeah. Kegel was uh, uh, he was a physician. He was a gynecologist back in the '50s. So Dr. Kegel, and who's who had done kind of a lot of um, research on the field of the pelvic floor. Um, so we call them pelvic floor exercises. So yeah, we we teach our clients how to properly contract their pelvic floor. And what's really important to know is that you can read online on how to do Kegels. 
and how to engage your pelvic floor, but they're not easy to do. And so it's really important to see a pelvic floor physio because a lot of people think they're doing them properly. And then they come and see us and they're confident. Oh, no, no, MJ, I've been doing my Kegels. Fantastic. I think I'm good. And we test them and they're not doing them properly. And so we tend to cheat a lot when we try to engage our pelvic floor. We're holding our breath. Maybe we're squeezing our bum or we're sucking in our belly. And really, you should be able to, you know, squeeze your pelvic floor. You know, you can think about, um, I always kind of give the example to my clients. I'm like, imagine a little ping pong at the opening of your vagina and just try to grab and pick up your ping pong. And for my patients that have penises, I'll say, try to lift up your penis, right? And those are some of the things that we explain. That's how you think about engaging your pelvic floor or think about stopping gas. But the reason it's so important for us to do a pelvic exam is from the outside, I can't tell if you're doing a proper pelvic floor exercise. When we do a pelvic exam, it really tells us how well you are using those muscles. And if you have pain, then we're at least kind of finding out that there's too much tension. And if you have too much tension, I'm not giving you Kegels to do. Okay. Yeah. And that makes sense, right? So if, if you're coming in just for incontinence, I evaluate your pelvic floor. There's no discomfort when I'm palpating those muscles and you're good to go. Yeah. Then we're going to work on some strengthening. But if you're already here, and then you're, you're, you've got pain with intercourse. Maybe it hurts to go to the bathroom. You're not peeing really well. So the muscles are not relaxing. And I evaluate your pelvic floor and there's too much tension. Well, I'm not going to give you more Kegels to do. So in that case, we're doing things to relax the pelvic floor. And this is where we do breath work and we do yoga-based movements, a lot of pelvic openers in yoga, a lot of breathing, maybe some meditative type of practices to help relax that tension. And once we relax that tension, once the pain goes away, then maybe we can do some strengthening if that's what your body needs at that time. Mm. And that's why it's so important for us to do an exam, because again, I, I can look at you and I have no idea if you've got a pelvic floor that's too weak or a pelvic floor that has too much tension. But when we palpate it, we can see, and then we can give you the proper exercises. Yeah, no, th this is really good because once again, I think there's going to, there is a lot of women that are struggling with these concerns with that are maybe at a loss or even, you know, I, I'm not even sure. Like, are there a lot of pelvic special physios out there? Like, for example, if people want to get access to, to someone of your caliber, like you can't see everybody. And, and this is not something you could be doing virtually either, right? Like when you, you're saying you want to be well, able to invert, do... Not the exam, but you know what? I did a lot of virtual. I still do. Okay. okay. The, the, you know what the virtuals are really good for is um, sometimes even just the initial assessment, like the first time, because we do so much talking and we do a right. lot of education. So definitely um, during COVID, um, we did quite a lot of virtuals and I continue to do so. And sometimes at day one, and maybe, you know, if you've got COVID and you can't come into the clinic, well, then I'll just do a virtual with you, do all the education. And then you come back in to see me for kind of an in-person visit when you're feeling better, you know, when you're not sick and things like that. So, um, so there's a lot of us actually doing virtuals as well. The, um, the, the best place to kind of find a physio in your area that has the qualifications to do uh, a pelvic uh, exam and to do pelvic health is to look at the website called pelvic health solutions.ca. And there's a find a physio feature there. And you can actually kind of click in your area look at people's names, it shows all the courses they've done, you know, so then you can kind of look at, oh, this person's done a menopause course, great. So this person's done a hormonal health course, and that can help you choose a physio in your area. 
Uh, and so that's a really great feature that we have. And, um, and so pelvichealthsolutions.ca is probably a really great resource. And there's a lot because we're, t when I started 20 odd years ago, there was four of us in Ontario doing pelvic health. And now we have hundreds of, of physios who've decided to take pelvic health courses as post-grad training. And so we are not without pelvic health physios out there to help anybody who has a pelvic floor, anybody who has incontinence, anybody who has any problems with sexual health, anybody with constipation, there's so much we can do. And like I said, we become resources for our clients to help them find the right people to go see, whether it's nutrition, stress management, um, mental health, and whatnot is really part of what we do um, to help our patients navigate perimenopause uh, and menopause. Wow. MJ, you're, you're pure gold in terms of knowledge and resources and just, and I must say, this was some of the best explanations of like the issues when it comes to pelvic, pelvic health. You know, like this is something like, you know, a physician, you hear about these concerns, but the way you just simplified it using language that all of us can understand and, and conceptualizing it in ways that we got, we understand putting it into, for example, two frameworks or two patient populations that you typically see like that is, I mean, you're, you're the, I, I don't know much about pelvic uh, physios, but you seem like you're the goat, you know what I mean? Thank you. <laughs> and and, that, and that's why we say to people, you know, if you're not sure, you know, at least come in for the first visit. So you get a chance to chat, you know, and that's a nice thing about doing virtual. You're not sure about it. We'll do a virtual and we can talk through. And I think a lot of people then realize, oh, there is help for me. Mm. Oh, sexual, uh, sexual dysfunctions and pain with sexual activity. That's not okay. No, it's not okay. Um, it's not okay that you're not sleeping through the night because of hot flashes, right? And then really talking about the research and the evidence behind what we do. And, and we have a fairly high level of evidence in what we do in terms of treating incontinence and prolapse uh, and uh, pelvic pain. And so, you know, having a ch chance to talk to our potential clients about that is really good. And again, to make everybody feel more comfortable with topics that are not comfortable to talk about. I mean, there are still you know, a lot of taboos around bladder and bowel health. There's a lot of taboos around sexual health. Listen, there's a lot of taboos about talking about menopause because we've been told, well, menopause is just part of life and deal with it. Suck it up, right? Suck it up. You know, don't complain about it, you know? And so I think, I think our clients are starting to get fed up with feeling so poorly and so discouraged about their quality of life. And like I said, it's not insignificant. There's over 30 symptoms of menopause. And if we can improve any one of them, I think we're, we're, we're doing well um, to help navigate, you know, and these challenges that um, our clients have. And again, we have great research. I was just reading um, just to get ready for today that strength training, again, we're physios, you know, we're all about exercise. Motion is lotion. You know, we, we encourage our clients to even get out. Like I always tell my clients, even your pelvic floor loves to go for a walk, just go walk mm -hmm. outside. Mm -hmm. And the thing with walking is that you're outdoors in the fresh air, in the sunlight, you're getting your vitamin D, you're setting your circadian rhythm. There's good research to say that if you get outdoors in the morning and bright sunshine for a good walk, you're going to sleep better at night. Right. But strength training, which we again, love to encourage our patients to do reduces hot flashes by 44%. Yep. You know, like it's, you know, again, you know, this is kind of in the purview of a pelvic physio or any physio is we're all about 
you know, strength train to help mitigate the effects of losing estrogen and testosterone, right? Strength train to reduce your hot flashes by 44%. Wow. You know, strength train to reduce osteoporosis because that increases when we hit menopause as well because of all the hormonal changes. Strength train to improve your insulin resistance so that you can lose weight. Um, And strength train for your pelvic floor because when you're strong, your whole body, everything's strong, even these little muscles here. And so kind of giving permission to our clients to exercise, but it's hard, right? Because, you know, it's time, you know, and part of what happens in menopause is that people are overwhelmed with stress and people are not taking the time to do the things they, you know, that we all get told to do, you know, eat well, sleep well, exercise. So it's kind of helping our clients navigate, you know, where could they find time to sneak in a little bit of exercise, you know, what can they cut out, right? What can they let go? What's not important, you know, and, you know, talking about the importance of strength training, I think, again, it's an eye opener. So that's why I said the education is so important, because when we educate, people go, oh, okay, well, that's a good reason to act. Maybe that's the one thing you needed to hear, to allow you to go and think about strength training. And it doesn't have to be a lot, you know, just a couple of, you know, 10, 15 minutes a day can maybe be a good start. Mm. And because the impact is so amazing, just like the impact of yoga and osteoporosis and yoga and constipation, you know, and it doesn't have to be an hour of yoga. You know, I can help find a video that's like 15 minutes. Maybe you do that before you go to bed, right. To help you sleep, you know, and so education is, is really key and um, to, to really help our clients navigate all of these crazy symptoms they have and making sense of it all. Um, And hopefully get that buy-in, that motivation, that's something that speaks to them that says, okay, I am going to try to make a change. And when it's hard, you know, um, you know, one of the things that happens with their clients in menopause is they stop exercising because they're losing bladder control. Yeah. Right? I, I was actually one of the things so, I was thinking about as you were mentioning mm-hmm. the resistance training, but uh, you know, I always say too, like to create the habit, just, it's not about the result always. It's about like you, you got there, you did the, you're part of the process. Even if you get to the gym for that five minutes and you, you, you didn't feel, do all the exercises you, you, you were planning to do, but you're getting that muscle developed, that, 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 that habit developed. So yeah, I, I think it, as you alluded to, it's hard to, to, to do all these things, but to, to develop the habits, I think is, is where, uh, you know, if you, you could develop the habits and you'll be moving in the right direction. Sure. Yeah. And it, and I think the more information people have about the benefits beyond what we already know, right? I mean, we kind of go, okay, yeah, weight loss and I got to quit smoking, but sometimes you go, okay, well, actually, you can actually reduce your symptoms of menopause this way or that way. Okay. You know, again, that might be enough to persuade someone to say, okay, you know what, then I, I do need to carve out time in my day. I need to let go of the things that maybe are not that important and really spend time on myself, right. And really improve my sleep and improve my nutrition and improve my stress management and try to think about exercising. Because again, it doesn't take a lot to make a really big change. It doesn't take a lot to go for a walk. You know, I'm happy if you start off with 10 minutes, I'm happy if we decide yoga is the best way for you to manage your stress or to help with your IBS or um, osteoporosis that you're doing even 10 minutes of it, 10, 15 minutes of it. We start, we start small and we build on that, And we provide encouragement because again, you know, we all have bad days where we fall off the rails and it's okay. We're humans, we're human beings. And as long as you just keep at it, you'll start to see some changes. 
And, um, and like I said, it's building a team because our, our clients need to have the right people helping. Cause we, uh, MJ can't do everything for everybody. Like, uh, you know, I mean, we're only one, one person. So who are the menopause experts out there? Who are the nutritionists out there who have a really good interest in, in menopause and hormonal health? You know, who do you go see if you're having insomnia, right? Cause there's CBT, there's cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. Okay. Who are the people for that? Um, you know, do you want to get hooked up with a personal trainer to kind of motivate you to strength train? Okay. Let's find you someone to do that. Uh, you know, so it, it, it's all about building a team and it's all about uh, dialogue and always talking about these things and, and giving our patients permission to talk about what's open. bothering them yeah, Absolutely. and to be open, be open yeah. about their frustrations. And, you know, if they're having frustrations with their weight loss and go, okay, let's, let's, who's out there who can help you with that. Absolutely. Right? And, mm-hmm. MJ, this has been grand. It's been grand. How do people get a hold of you or even if you got room can, can bust out your services. So I am working right now. I'm in downtown Ottawa. So I'm at a clinic called Killens Reed Physiotherapy. So killensreed.com. And we're three pelvic physios at that clinic. There's myself, my uh, lovely colleagues, Natalie and Sophie, all of which can help you with menopausal issues. You can, again, look at that pelvic health solution website to find people in your area. It's a great resource. That's the group that I'm one of the uh, teaching instructors for pelvic health. And so we have a really, you can see how many great pelvic health physios we have all across Canada. There's also naturopaths who've taken our courses that are listed. So if you want to maybe work with a naturopath, who has a knowledge of pelvic health, they're listed on there as well. We have some nurse practitioners that have taken our courses who again have developed an interest in pelvic health. And so again, you can find all those people on the pelvichealthsolutions.ca website. Uh, so killensread.com to kind of reach our, the clinic that I'm at. You can, I have a website as well, mjforgetpt.ca. I'm on Instagram, mj.forgette. Um, so there's lots of different ways to, to find us and, um, and to kind of help you with all your symptoms. I love it. I love it. Thank you, MJ, for the knowledge that you threw down the holistic approach, the, the, the benefits of seeing the likes of you. I, I, I really appreciate you coming on. This is awesome. No, I appreciate any opportunity to talk about all things pelvic health. And I appreciate all that you've done, um, again, because you've taken quite a holistic approach yourself uh, as someone in medicine, right? And taking, uh, really thinking about our nutrition, our sleep, our stress, our, you know, exercise, mindfulness. And uh, it's always nice to talk to kindred spirits, I say. I would say so, too. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, Quarkcast, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Please follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, at Quarkcast. Leave any comments at Quarkcast99 at gmail.com. Leave that five-star rating on wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review, Sexy Beasts. Check out our newsletter at Quarkcast.substack.com. Everybody stay beautiful and stay healthy. Peace.